Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and InsideTexas.com. And guys, we're moving away from the Alabama victory. Moving we are. <laughs> we got Speak to. for yourself, Blake. Speak for yourself. <laughs> but anyway, Sark had a presser yesterday and talked, to, you know, talked about a bunch of different subjects, of course. Uh, but one of those being injury updates on guys like Cedric Baxter. What were some of the key takeaways for y'all from yesterday's presser? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. First of all, thanks for telling us all the comments where you're checking in from. I see new cities, towns, states almost every day. So this is awesome, man. Uh, Jinx, Oklahoma, man. Talk about enemy territory. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, my one of my uh, my takeaways was he said Cedric Baxter's day to day injury, not as bad as they initially thought, uh, was limited in practice Monday. Um, so that sounds like a week ago <laughs> is what it sounds like. Uh, but I we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with Cedric Baxter as the week moves along. Um, you know, what was interesting to me is more than what Sark said, I listened to Craig Bowles' press conference at Wyoming yesterday on YouTube. He said this is the best Texas team he's seen in, in 35 years. Bobby, I think he probably was didn't see the 2005 team. Oh, he did. I think he was at Nebraska. I mean, <laughs> that was a I, – I, uh, I was pretty surprised he said that even – no matter what, maybe he's trying to fire up his kids. It could be partly coach speak, but he doesn't really come off as the coach speak guys much, Bobby. I, I think he just thought he watched Texas and thought they against Alabama and thought they were really, really good prepping for him this week. So I think any, so what he said maybe was more, more impactful than what Sark said. I mean, Sark obviously hit one of the other things Sark said was talking about how, to, he, he said he was like for two and a half years I've been trying to get these guys to be more confident. He said now we ha- we walk that fine line of still coaching them where we can get better, but wanting them to still stay just as confident and keep getting more confident, right? And I think that's always that that tough thing for a coaching staff because you these guys are they're detail oriented. They coach to a, per, a line of perfection here that's very hard to attain, um, but they also have to do it while. Uh, making sure the team understands that we think y'all are great. This was a great win. Here's the goal at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple things that are going on right now. Uh, one is I, I listened to the same press conference uh, for Sark and uh, Craig Bowl as well, uh, Jerry, the, the Wyoming head coach. My takeaway from Sark's uh, presser was let's look internally and improve. That That's really what I heard. Uh, on on uh, yesterday afternoon, he he is all about right now. He knows he's got a little bit of a lightning in a bottle, and he needs to just keep building this team and keep going and keep that lightning going. That's that was my takeaway. Everything was internally focused. He talked a little, talked nicely, of course, about not only Alabama but Wyoming. But his focus was using this as an opportunity to get his kids better because. He knows as well as everybody else that when you have success, that's almost the best time to teach, right? That's the best time to take the next step. And uh, they left some plays on the field on Saturday, in his sure. opinion. And so I think that's that's going to be an opportunity for him uh, to, to really push on that. 
Uh, as far as Craig Bowl is concerned, the Wyoming coach, Jerry and, and Blake, what I heard uh, was he is he is very excited about his play of his quarterback, Andrew Peasley. He made the clutch play against Texas Tech in overtime uh, in overtime uh, to, to beat Texas Tech on a fourth and seven. I uh, hit a pass over the middle against a, a rush coming straight up the middle. Just a great play by the quarterback. He continued that uh, efficiency against um, against Portland State this next uh, this past weekend. He's very happy with him. He's also uh, very happy with his maturity. I, I don't know if y'all know this or not, and I, I posted this on Inside Texas in my morning article this morning. Wyoming has four starters, excuse me, five starters on offense that are graduates. They are they've already graduated graduated so they are a mature experienced team they have another one that is a graduate on defense they have six of their 22 starters are 22 23 24 year old guys that have already graduated college it it reminds me more of an old byu team jerry like the the guys that have the age and the, the age difference in the time um and so he's coming in here and he's a he's a veteran coach 20 plus years ahead coach led north dakota state to a couple of national championships on the FCS level, um, I, I I listen to that, and I think he's going to try to keep it simple for his team. Uh, he's going to go out there and try to control the clock as much as he can with a quarterback that's a little bit of a dual threat, um, and then try to play good, solid defense. And uh, the big thing he said on defense is we can't let Quinn Ewers just sit back there and pick us apart because that's a, a recipe for disaster for them. So that's what Texas can expect, a mature, experienced team from Wyoming, uh, as well as a defense that's going to try to move Quinn Ewers and make him uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. He's got to protect his quarterback in this game. He's had concussion issues. He's playing on sport turf. Um, he's playing against the best defensive line he'll face. Um, he's he's uh, guys that are confident, growing with confidence every snap right now. He's got to condense the game and protect his quarterback this week for the rest of his season. Some similar to what Rice did with JT Daniels, in my opinion. They had to get out of that this game with him healthy. Wyoming knows they're not going to win this game unless Texas puts the ball on the turf four or five times and something crazy happens. Uh, but he's his job goal number one is uh to get out with his quarterback healthy for the rest of the season. I mean, I I I uh I actually think Wyoming's walking into the Hornets nest this week. Um I, I think Texas okay. fans are gonna be jacked up. I think Bevo Boulevard, when this team arrives, is going to be off the charts. Um, it's a night game, LED lights. I mean, we'll, I'll have an updated recruiting visitors list on Inside Texas later today. Uh, this is going to be a jacked-up atmosphere. Um, this is this is not Texas Tech going to Laramie. Uh, so I, he, he's got to get out with his quarterback healthy. Uh, David Williams, you don't have to bring it up. I'm, I'll answer his question. Um, I, I do think Texas leads for all three of those guys, David, right now. Hey, uh, Blake, let's yeah. talk about the the RPM that Jerry logged this morning. Definitely. Uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Uh, go, go ahead, Jerry. No, I, I, was, I was just going to say you okay. put one in over on Inside Texas, yeah, so yeah, tell yeah. everybody about it. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Davison running back at 2025 from modern day. I could have done it back in the summer, but, um, you know, I think Tashar Choice, Sarkeesian, have uh, been on Jordan Davison a long time. They prioritized him. Ohio State, USC, stiff competition. Um, uh, but I went ahead and put in an RPM for Texas this morning uh, for Jordan Davison. And, and, and for people that haven't watched him, I think this guy's tremendous. I think he is in, as instinctive of a running back naturally as you find. 
He's got great feet in the hole. He naturally jump cut, skip cut. He can get small. He can run with power. He's 5'11", 210, 215. Uh, he's got more edge quickness than long speed, maybe like the Cedric Baxter in a way. Uh, but he shifts that ball from right to left, outside hand. Ball's always in the outside hand, in runs, by the way. Um, but he is a very physical running back. They play a national schedule. Um, he plays – He is. I think he's the best running back in a backfield with a 2024 running back committed to Georgia. That's how high on Jordan Davis and I am. That's uh, unfair in high school. That's not, <laughs> it's not unfair. You have a guy. You have a guy potentially uh, that is uh, ranked uh, in the top. I think is the the consensus ranking is a number three overall running back in the country. Thirty uh, number thirty overall prospect. That's a twenty twenty five, Jerry. Yeah. Um, is is this a byproduct product of the win over Alabama, like you were talking about, or was this something that's been in the works for quite some time? I, I believe it's been in the yeah. works. Right? Yeah, I, I think Texas has been the favorite for a while, but I think that the Alabama win certainly helps there. It's um, kind of like a reinforcement of yeah, especially when your competition's USC and Ohio State, right? I mean that yeah. that those win this win was huge for twenty twenty five guys. Um, by the way, so we've had a couple of Micah Hudson questions. He committed the tech, but the one thing I want people to know: Ryan Wingo's been the number one receiver on the board. Okay, so those saying is Ryan Wingo now more important than Hudson committed? Uh, you have that one backward. Ryan Wingo's been the number one guy on the board for Texas. And I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are big words and you just said them. I just, I don't know what else to say. about. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you put in an RPM pick for Ryan Wingo on, uh, on uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, Jerry, that, that uh, look, Texas is trying to finish out this recruiting class with five stars right now. Not only Ryan Wingo out of St. Louis University, but Brandon Baker is set to make his decision uh, on uh, the 24th, which is uh, coming up here uh, in just a couple of weeks or 10 or 11 days, I guess now. Um, uh, Ryan Wingo is expected to be in this weekend for the Wyoming yes. game, along with a host of other people. Texas still waiting on Kobe Black, another five-star out of Waco Connolly. I mean, what, what else are they supposed to do if you're a Texas coach right now I mean, you're waiting on – you've got 17 commitments and you're literally waiting on the best of the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the, this is the 1A targets. This is the number one targets. Wingo at wide out, Brandon Baker at right tackle, Kobe Black at corner. Um, I think Texas is a pretty good spot with all those guys. Um, we'll see. Baker's going to Nebraska this weekend to watch some volleyball, I assume, because the football's not great. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, look, I, they're on their number one guys. And I'll say this. And then, you know, Solomon Williams, we'll see what he does. Danny Akoya probably commits to Oklahoma on the 20th. If he doesn't show up in Austin this weekend, zero chance, obviously. And he doesn't show up with his mom this weekend. Uh, but that one's trending OU. Uh, I think Solomon Williams could be a toss-up between Texas, Oregon, Alabama. Um, but then it comes down to flipping some guys. I, I, I think Texas will flip somebody in the defensive backfield that's committed somewhere else and somebody on the offensive line. Interesting. And you're not saying who right now. So that's nah. that's nice of you, Jerry, to, to kind of just tease everybody like that. It's almost like a high just went out somewhere. Um, hey, I, Jerry, <laughs> I'm looking at it. Um, it. It's fair to say then that right now, in your opinion, Texas leads for three five stars. I mean, yeah. Baker, Black and Wingo. I have RPMs in for all three. So, you know, uh, y'all can crush me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, somebody's asking about Dom McKinley. I'm not sure Texas is going to revisit that. That uh, I think Texas will look for another defensive tackle um, in this class, and I think they'll probably be successful in that. I'm not sure they go back there. We'll see. All right, we got some other uh, recruiting questions, guys, that we can jump to real quick. This first one from Mock Snell, and he says, questions for Jerry. Will Texas, per- I assume he means pursue, the Florida defensive line decommit, 6'5", 360, yeah. sounds formidable. Yeah, he's going to Georgia. That is just a matter of when. That was a that was a decommit to go to Georgia. And that's Michael right. Borio from the Atlanta area, who Texas offered. Really large human that lines up over the ball, but Texas has their over the ball. Alex January. Um, I actually have an update on Alex January. I talked to his father, Mike January, yesterday. Um, and then DeAndre Robinson can play over the ball, can play a three. I mean, they've they've filled their over the ball needs in this class. And and they think and I they think they've done it really well, and I think they've done it tremendously well. Uh, by the way, a little update on Alex January on schedule to graduate high school in December. Um, they they're gonna be down for the Kansas game. Uh, not the Wyoming game this weekend. Duncanville, like modern day, has some Saturday activities some from time to time. And uh, so they have some Saturday activities this week. But, uh, you know, then Alex is he, – he, he's taking an extra class and he has to do that online on weekends so he can graduate in December and get to Austin, which says a lot about his thinking and his father and his thinking. And, and that, that was really – that's really good stuff because, you know, <clears throat> that also shows that – Alex January is serious about coming in and helping the Texas football team. And there's going to be, there's going to be a build. There's going to be opportunity over the ball to compete over the ball. All right. Then we got another recruiting question, Jerry, this one from E Kim. And he says, morning from Rockford, Illinois, about time Hudson chose tech Jerry for 24 and beyond. Do you see Texas recruiting primarily bigger wide receivers? Not necessarily. I think, um, they, I think the 23 class, this freshman class, has two really good slot prospects, DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett. And I think Ryan Niblett, show, Ryan Niblett showing more early on has maybe changed the way Texas is thinking of the slot position. And Jontae Cook can play anywhere. So they've got three guys who if you said, okay, who's going to – you could go line them up one, two, three in the slot next year, and people would be like, wow, why why would you recruit a slot receiver for the next couple of classes? So I think that has something to do with it. Uh, but then I also do think size, 50-50 ball winners, vertical ability. Um, you're already seeing that with Quinn um, this year versus last year. He didn't have guys making those plays for him. A.D. Mitchell's already making plays for him. He made two in the – the Bama killer made two in the Bama game. Those plays weren't made last year. The catch out of the end zone over the shoulder against uh, contested coverage wasn't made last year on the outside. That touchdown uh, pass extending out, running under that ball, wasn't made last year. I think you're going to see Texas recruit more of that. Bobby? (laughs) No, they better. That's what works in Sark's offense. Blake, uh, we had a question that was interesting in recruiting is – uh, uh, Ryan Williams and DeCorian Moore. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you that next. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's the thing with Ryan Williams, and I think both are tremendous. If, if people have asked on Inside Texas, I think Ryan Williams is number one, DeCorian Moore is two, uh, Ryan Wingo three, then you go down that list, Micah Hudson, whatever, as far as any class. I think Ryan Williams is special because of his after the catch ability. 
I think he has got a special gear one, gear two, gear three, gear four. He may have a gear that we don't talk about. He is a special guy with the ball in his hands. I think the Corian Moore is extremely talented as well. Um, I think he moves a little different than most kids. Ryan Williams moves like that. Uh, but I think those two guys are just a cut above guys I've seen. Uh, Ryan Williams in, in a few years. He's really, really good. And that's not, the Jer- not to say Jeremiah Smith isn't really good at a Chaminade in South Florida. Ryan Williams, for me, just he he's a little different, guys. And he's going to reclass to 2024. Um, that doesn't mean he's going to flip the Texas. He's been talking about wanting to visit Texas since June when I went through Sarah Land. He visited LSU last summer. Um, he'll be on some campuses. His dad played at Auburn. Uh, and with him reclassifying, that won't, won't happen until after his school year. Um, so this will be a long, drawn-out recruitment, guys. It'll be a battle. Uh, we got plenty of time for questions. Going to get to a lot more recruiting stuff here just momentarily. I do want to mention at 830, uh, we have a special guest, Drew Kelson. He'll be joining us for just a little bit. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the team and then, like I said, get to recruiting. But before we move on, Bobby, why don't you tell everybody about today's sponsor? Yeah, absolutely. The guys over at Home Field Apparel uh, are a sponsor of uh, On Texas Football. Home Field is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in the good old USA, they emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of more than 150 colleges to choose from, including, of course, the University of Texas. Homefield designs are unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They are all about authenticity and nostalgia. I personally liked the Roaring Bevo when I went to school. That was the kind of alternative logo that I liked. Uh, got my son and myself a gray one. Uh, really enjoyed, uh, and I wear them all the time. I actually wore it this weekend to Alabama. Uh, I'm telling you guys, give their site a look. It's not the typical UT gear you usually see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their selection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners here at uh, On Texas Football, get 15% off of their first order with discount code ONTEXAS23. That's right, ONTEXAS23, 15% off. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the season. So check them out, homefieldapparel.com. All right. We're going to definitely thank them. And uh, oh, looks like we're joined by Drew right now. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him in, guys. Drew, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great, doing great. How's it going, Blake? Doing good. Well, Bobby, I'm gonna let you take it away. Yeah, absolutely, Drew. Welcome in, man. Uh, hey, you were you uh, and I talked in the post game as well as Jerry, uh, and it's now you know 72 hours later, basically. Some Texas fans are still basking though, and no one would blame them, right? Uh, including myself. Uh, what are your thoughts on what happened Saturday in retrospect? Now that you've had a couple of days to stew on it. Um, it, it was just a culmination of what we had been hearing and just seeing the team and hearing about the team preparing for it. I mean, I think at the end of last year, Sark was very clear on what he felt the needs were and what we wanted to focus on. Um, he was very specific about his intentionality for third round defense, third third down offense, fourth down defense and offense, red, red area. All those things, all that situational football we saw play out. Uh, and I've said this before, like th- there's not been one time that I've heard from Sark that I felt, um, yeah, I feel like he's just been an open book since day one. 
And this was just a validation, one of the bigger validations of every ounce of work that they've been putting in every day. Um, it came together. And so now we got to see what we can do uh, because we're going to see different styles. Uh, the offense we showed against Rice is different than the offense we showed against Bama. Uh, teams know how we're going to pressure test them and stress them. And so there's a combination of, of us needing to continue to be focused uh, and prepare the same and just kind of have fun from there. Drew, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on this morning, uh, you played in a game, you were on the national, 2005 National Championship team. So you played in a game somewhat similar to the Alabama game. Y'all went on the road and beat Ohio State, right? After that game, Texas just went on the road and beat Alabama. After that game, did Coach Brown use that as an opportunity to really focus you guys in on the opportunity that lay ahead of you that year? I know y'all are always already planning for a great year. But did he use that as a springboard to kind of refocus you guys on exactly what you could accomplish and maybe try to take you guys up another notch or another level? I think definitely. I mean, the difference between this team um, and the team we have, I think this is the team's this is this team's first time really seeing, oh wow, we can be good. Yeah. Um, and so that initial hunger that they're starting with now, I think they're gonna going to come with it uh, next week and, and kind of moving forward. Whereas we had, the, you know, we lost to OU 12 to zero the year before. And after that game, I think was when the lights came on for us and we, we, we ran with it from there um, and then finished by beating Michigan. And then we kind of went into that season and into that off season knowing what we could do. And so it, for, for us, it was more of a matter of not, you know, not going to sleep on some of the teams. I mean, at that time, I mean, th that year we struggled with Kansas and Kansas was in the dumps then, you know. So um, I do think we were in a different position, but the big win on the road with everything stacked against you, you, you know, you're not going to face another environment, team, talent like that the rest of the season. So really, there's no excuses. You just have to stay locked in. And, and, and Mac did a great job of making sure uh, he, rang, he, he he brought us in, too. Hey, Drew, go ahead, Jerry. You had something? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I wanted to hit on something with you. Player development at Texas. Okay, you were on a team that was extremely talented, but players still developed, right? To help to, to work towards maximizing their potential. What are you seeing from Sark and this staff three years in now as far as player development? Because I think it's not talked about enough right now because of everybody on the high uh, with the win over Bama. Man, it's crazy. I, I love it because they keep to the stack the classes. And those those that young talent that comes in, um, I mean, it pushes the guys who are already in the program. Uh, David Benda, you see making plays. Vernon Broughton is continuing to show up on the field. Um, I mean, Keaton Crawford's out there still playing hard on special teams and, and still finding ways to contribute and just be. I mean, he's getting minutes this year. If they didn't feel confident in him contributing, uh, he wouldn't be out there on the field. So there's just some guys you, you just appreciate seeing get those minutes. Um, and, and hey, I went through that too. Um, I, now, I moved around and played a few positions, but when you saw Roderick Mokoroy and Sergio Kendall come in, yeah, those, those like, yeah, you start realizing, you know, I look around to Killebrew and Bobano, it's like, hey, man, we <laughs> only have so many snaps left before these guys, these guys come in here and take over. So um, you want to keep, I mean, what they've done is it's almost as if the development, which is what you want to be able to say you can do. It's almost your insurance policy. Yes, you got the portal where you can go get guys, and yes, you're going to continue to recruit. But when you know you can develop the guys that are in your program, 
you don't stress as much about recruits you go chase. You don't go chase the guys that really aren't on your radar because you know you have guys in your program who are already ahead of any player with really low ceilings in high school or in the portal. I, the question there comes back to me is, you know, Drew, a different time when there was no portal that, that you played in, right? Um, and we we see what happened with Texas grabbing A.D. Mitchell uh, out of the portal. Big impact on that game yes, on Saturday. Ryan Sanborn, the punter, big impact. Gavin Holmes played corner uh, a bunch in that game. Big impact. Um, across the board, uh, Quinn Ewers and Ryan Watts, portal. Jalen Catalan led the team in tackles, portal. Uh, Jerry and I talk about this, you know, is, is the portal now just one of three areas that you're really trying to attack when it comes to roster management portal development that you mentioned, and then five-star recruiting. Is that kind of the, the bridge that builds the whole team and whole roster together in your opinion? I think the way we're executing it is perfect because one thing Sark and the staff is doing is they're being selective. They're being selective in recruiting. The guys they really want, they stay after. Um, the guy, there are guys out there that I'm sure we're wondering why why isn't Sark going after? Whether that be in the portal and recruiting, and you guys know these kids and their coaches and families more than anybody else, so you kind of know what's going on behind the scenes. But um, the, I, that's the thing I appreciate the most because we are in a unique position at, at Texas where we don't. Yes, there are high value players and all the stars, but we want the right person too. And uh, not every school has that as a priority. And I think that's the most important part is when you're being selective in the portal, when you're being selective in the uh, in recruiting, you don't bring in anyone who can disrupt your culture or challenge your culture. So you bring people who fit and people who fit plug and play really quickly. And that's why I think we've seen both our both some true freshmen and some portal players come right in, contribute. And everybody's just they appear to be really selfless with the way they've gone about their business. Hey, Drew, last thing I've got for you, because I know you got to get rolling. Um, teams that could give Texas trouble, type of style of play, type of defense, type of offense, because Texas is going to face some dual-threat quarterbacks that can actually throw it coming down the line, right? I mean, no team as talented as Bama, but there's Kansas State on the schedule, right? Kansas has a really good offense. Is there anybody you've seen out there, a style of play, a team that you say, okay, this is gonna this is gonna be a test for Texas. Not that we're underestimating a game on the road at TCU or something like that, but just who anybody you've seen out there that's got your attention right now. I mean, honestly, maybe this is the player in me, but I respect every opponent on the schedule. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I, even even Rice, I, 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 the Rice got after us. You know, they came in with a game plan, well coached. So I don't I don't think there's any team that I'm just gonna overlook, but. Kansas, of course, has the offense. K-State has the culture yes, and the coaching that you have to prepare for. I don't care what anyone says or what they see from OU. That is a game that should get everybody nervous no matter what. You know, we'd love to see 49-0 again, but that's not happening. But, but hey, but Drew, that's going to – that feeds into Oklahoma this year. They, they got beat embarrassed last year, right? Yeah. So while Texas is more talented, that feeds into Oklahoma this year. All of it, all of these things, coaches are going to prepare more. And this this isn't any different than any other year. Right. But you got to know it's kicked up a notch. You have to know it's kicked up a notch. I'm not, not so concerned about U of H or some of those, but I think some of our existing Big 12 foes who have been our foes, who have some bad blood. Um, you know, hell, I was watching Texas Tech in Wyoming, and 
I don't know how Tech allowed this to happen, but Tech came out firing, man. Uh, their quarterback looked really good. Um, I mean, this isn't a team you want to sleep on the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, these teams develop over the year. The team you see first week, second weeks of the season, they're all improving the same way we are. So we got to make sure we stay on the gas, too. Uh, yeah, I you say all this, it, it, Andrew or Drew, and I tell you what gets me is this is the last year on top of that of the Big 12. And so Texas normally gets the best shot of just about everybody because when you beat Texas, you make national news. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if Texas is five and seven. Uh, that's that's you know that's that's how it is. And so this year, uh, Texas goes and beats Alabama, and now there's a, a big a big Texas on front of the jersey that they're trying to beat. Uh, that has a, a national rank in the top four or top five in the country right now as well. Uh, and uh, Drew, I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, we'll see you again uh, on Saturday night after the Wyoming game on the post game show. Uh, Drew, myself, Rod Babers. I think Jerry's going to step in for a little bit as well. Uh, Drew, you have a good week, man. I know you got to you got to do real work and get out in the real world here today. <laughs> but thanks for taking the time to join us, man. Thanks for having me, Paul. Man. Uh, really looking forward to it. All right, have a good one, bud. Hook up. Thanks, Drew. All right, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody about game time and then we'll get back to some questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This segment's brought to you by game time. Uh, You know, I didn't think I would say this, guys, but uh, the Wyoming game is actually going to be sold out and not just sold out, but uh, you're going to be scraping for tickets probably. Uh, So I want to introduce you guys to game time, the app. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country and for good reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And it's absolutely perfect for last-minute decisions. Game time is the fast, easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Just log in, go to Austin, and it has the Texas games, uh, any kind of uh, events, even in Dallas, Houston, wherever you might be and watching this. I personally use game time for sporting events and concerts for both myself and my family. So if you need last-minute tickets, there's really no better place. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you don't have to dig through email. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first purchase. That's $20 off your first purchase when you use code ONTEXAS. Terms apply. Download download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right. Want to thank uh, somebody said a little late to the show. Any update yep. on Baxter's health? We, we we don't have anything new other than what Sark said yesterday. He said it's day to day. Not the injury wasn't as serious as they initially thought. That's what he told the media. He was limited in practice on Monday, so we'll we'll have to see throughout the week. But we have not heard anything new as of today. Hey, one more update was Mo Blackwell is back at practice. Yep. By the way, although we don't expect him back until Baylor. But Mo Blackwell, the the weak side linebacker that uh, was out about uh, three weeks now with a, an injury in preseason camp, one of the only preseason camp injuries that Texas sustained, uh, is likely back for Baylor, not this week against Wyoming. All right, guys, we got some super chats we need to get to. This first one from Jimmy Trevino. And speaking of Baxter, he said, thank you, Jimmy, by the way. He said, assuming Baxter is limited, should we focus on getting Blue some touches this week? Other than him finding holes, he looks really good and he runs hard. I definitely think they're going to get him some touches. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see Savion Red get some touches. Me uh, see, uh, by the way, Steve Sarkeesian came out and said yesterday also, Jerry, uh, that Savion Red 
uh, uh, imitated Jalen Milrow uh, for the workup to the Alabama game. Uh, so that's that's one to watch. Uh, I think that red is going to get some action as well as blue. Uh, yeah. But but Jonathan Brooks has to be – he is now the bell cow uh, after that performance in the fourth quarter by him. I thought he, he played a, a really, really great fourth quarter for Texas. I, I agree. I agree with that. I, I still think blue has a – his role is different to maximize his ability. I think red is a better in between the tackles, tougher runner, which is what Texas kind of is aiming for Cedric Baxter and Brooks. Uh, but I think blues role expands. I said this before the rice game, he's really good in games like this. If you can get him in space, uh, if you can just get him a crease, um, he has a lot of second level ability. I, I think these games are really good opportunities for blue and in, in the passing game and, and as a running back. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I, it, I think Texas may be able to run wide on Wyoming. We're going to see. Uh, then this next question is a super chat from Stephen Shell. Thank you, Stephen. He says, do you think Texas will try and run against or run more against Wyoming to get the O-line in that nasty power football mode? I, you know, Wyoming, just listening to, to them, they're going to try to do two things. They're going to try to stop the run first. And they think they have the guys to do it, by the way because they're an experienced group uh, and they'll, they'll run some different fronts just like um, Rice did to try to accomplish that. And then they're going to try to get Quinn Ewers off his mark. So they're going to crowd the box in my opinion, and yeah. maybe put it on Ewers arm and, and for those receivers to actually get open, beat blitzes, beat heavy box looks. So it's going to be hard to do that, but I will say this, I would look for Texas to not, if, if someone does that to Texas, I think they're going to start just like they did against Alabama and uh, start throwing the, the wide receiver quick game, running back quick game, uh, and get those guys out in space. Because uh, while Wyoming is talented and a good team and has a lot of um, a, a lot of uh, uh, experience, they do not have the speed that Texas has on the perimeter. And so one of those guys gets loose and starts gashing Wyoming, all of a sudden they can't just crowd the box. And then the, the run game becomes open later in the game when they have to defend uh, those passes on the outside. Okay. And that leads me to this next question, guys, from uh, Jerry C. And he says, do you think the O-line will keep rotating? 100% and probably more this week. I, I think you'll start to see Neto play more. Um, it, I, he's, he's really, really talented. Texas really, really likes him. I think you're going to continue to see more rotation. He'll get to play a little bit more. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you start to see Cam Williams get a, a series at a tackle spot. I, I think they're going to continue to rotate more and more as season moves along because they have really good players, especially. So, I mean, between DJ Campbell, Cole Hudson, Neto, that sophomore redshirt freshman class on the interior is really strong. Connor, Obviously, Connor Robertson uh, is some backup center as well. Yeah, Malik Agbo is playing tight end in that, that uh, dual role. Jerry, the other thing I would add to that is – uh, 43 snaps on Saturday for Cole Hudson, 35 for DJ Campbell. If you beat Alabama doing that, I don't see why you don't do that against everybody else. Yeah, and so, then work, and work Neto in for a few of those snaps as well. Yep, yep. That's that's the that's the recipe. Uh, yeah. Rick Rick Serta has a good question. I think. Let me. Oh yeah, here we go. Rick Serta says, "What are coaches seeing from Baxter that he was starting ahead of Brooks? Brooks to me is ahead at this point when it comes to running the football. You got to look at the run against Rice when Baxter got hurt. 
that was that's what they saw. Great vision, great cutback. Um, Setter Baxter's a tough kid now. I mean, he he ran uh, like Bobby and I joke around. I, I haven't seen a soft running back come out of Flor the state of Florida before in my years doing this. That guy went out there and he was not backing down against Alabama. When he caught that first pass, I mean, he was shoulder pads down and running through people or attempting to. Setter Baxter, I think, is not going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a tremendous football player. But I think it's really the vision, that cutback vision. And here's the other thing that goes along with that, guys. It's a it, One of the luxuries of having a talented team is your number two running back comes in very fresh when the first team defense is already a little winded. So there's a, there's a lot of chess involved in this as well. And that, that's one of the things um, – that's one of the things I think you also look at. Uh, but I think Cedric Baxter is the most talented running back in the program, by the way. Uh, but well, I, think, I, I think he is too. I don't, I don't think there's any question the most talented. And I think there's some chess in that. I, I think there's. I think you, it's great to start Cedric Baxter and then bring Jonathan Brooks off the bench when this defense is already a little tired and he can start hitting them. I, I think there's something to that. It's great to have depth. Well, I will say this: there, I love the runs that Jonathan Brooks made in the fourth quarter were run, a man run. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of them were really, I mean, especially the one on the third down where he carried the guy past the yard line, Jerry. No doubt. That being said, Cedric Baxter moves the pile more. Yeah, and he is a harder hitter. So when you're trying to establish early in a game mentality, and your running back is going out there and smacking and trading paint with a uh, uh, some defensive backs and making them hurt a little bit because Cedric Baxter did that. I mean, I, I y'all saw it. Um, he was a physical, physical running back, even for a true freshman. Um, I, I think that that sets a tone a little bit. And then you can get someone in like Jonathan Brooks that may have a little bit more arsenal to his game at this point, right? Because he, he's been there longer. He knows more what, what you're trying to do. It's not about tone setting. It's about executing. So I, I like what I like what Sark's done there. The, the other thing too is Baxter may have a little better hands. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's showing I mean, up in games. Yeah, Brooks has he had, had four, a couple of big he had four shots. catches. He had yeah. four catches on Saturday, Jerry, and his, his uh, uh, out of the backfield movement late in that game is what opened up Jatavian Sanders. Yeah. They were all respecting the underneath to Cedric Baxter. And guys have different strength. Jonathan Brooks is the best in pass pro. He doesn't have the hands of some other guys though or or maybe he's had two drops this year early in the season and he won't have another drop the rest of the year but those two opportunities i mean that's a couple touchdowns yep with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
And that leads me to this question uh, from Jerry C. Who do you think is our best catching back? We are spoiled with Bijan, but Brooks has dropped two big receptions. Jaden Blue has the best hands. Jaden Blue, I, 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 it's very rare when a running back, you see him in seven on seven and you say, boy, he's got better hands than all the rideouts. Jaden Blue has naturally great hands. And I think that's why you're going to see Sark get him more involved like he did at Bama. Just a little catch. On the perimeter, let him be running back after the catch on the perimeter. I really think that's where that's Blue's strength because he's in space. I don't think his strength is up the middle running the football. You want to get him outside the tackles in space, throw him something in the quick game like they did against Bama, let him get his head vertical, get his eyes vertical, and be a running back in space. That's his strength. So I think Sark's doing a great job using him to strength to his strength, but he has the best hands of any back. He's got extremely soft and natural hands. All right, guys, we're going to move back over to a couple of super chats real quick. This first one from Bo. He says, good morning and hook them. Good morning, morning John Taylor. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate the super chat. And then this in-depth question from Menu2Sports. I want to thank him as well. He says, can you guys talk a little bit about the process of getting plays into the quarterback in college football? The quarterback does not have an in-helmet headset, right? So who is Sark talking to on that headset? He's talking to, talking to the guys up top. Uh, so he's talking to it's not it, it's now uh, Chris Jackson, the wide receivers coach. Last year, AJ Milwe, the uh, quarterbacks coach, was actually up in the box. Uh, Jerry noted this in in the, prior to the season that Texas made a fundamental change. Milwe is now on the sidelines to help with Quinn Ewers directly on the sidelines. Chris Jackson, the receivers coach, is up top. The, he they are communicating what they are seeing from the all twenty two look. They can see the whole field. It's very hard to do that when you're on the sideline. So they're basically talking back and forth and getting information and ideas, bouncing them off of one another. Then Sark is actually calling in the plays to a group of people. I think they have three different people that are signaling in plays for them. Um, and you don't know which one it is, ostensibly. But the reality of it is one of those guys is actually hand signaling in plays to Quinn Ewers. There's not a... There's no mic in the helmet or anything like that, like there is in pro ball. Hey, by the way, what and it's not talked about enough, but you know what I love about that change that Sark made is he continues to evolve. Hell, the best coaches have to continue to evolve. Nick Saban evolved offensively, and that's why he became the greatest coach in college of all time, in my opinion. Um, I think the move to Milwee to the field was awesome because he is sitting there and he's coaching Quinn every time Quinn walks off that field. All right. Got to keep our feet set here. This is what I saw here on this play. He is able to relay it right there in real time, eye to eye. And I think that's a huge difference and much better. I mean, you saw Tommy Reese doing this when he was talking to Milrow. You know, God dang, this guy's not reading the defense. I don't know what to call <laughs> type of thing, right? He's the OC. A.J. Milwee's down there on the field. And his job is to get help maximize the quarterback in the game. Because Sark can't do it as the head coach. Sark can help from Monday through Friday. He can't do it during the game as a head coach. Milwee's job is to maximize these guys on Saturdays during the game. And the only way you can do that is on the field. I think that was a great move by Sark. I like the idea of him continuing to evolve, Jerry. Yes. Hey, we need to go back over one thing, uh, Blake. Uh, Jerry yeah. put in a RPM pick this morning uh, for uh, a running back out of Santa Ana, California, modern-day high school, Jordan Davison. Davison is the number three ranked running back in the country and the number 30 overall prospect. 
in the class of 2025. Uh, this is a, a, a one that Texas is fighting. Ohio State, USC, Georgia, etc. He is a national player. Uh, and I want you, Jerry, explain why you went ahead and made this pick uh, today and logged the, the RPM pick for Texas for Jordan Davison. Yeah, I, I could have done it for a while now. Um, but uh, look, I, I think this 2025, I think this win really vaults, catapults you in 2025 in some recruitments, especially ones you're already doing well on, uh, especially when your competition is Ohio State and USC, like it is for Jordan Davison. Um, I, I think that Sark has longstanding relationships at modern day. Um, I, I think that Tashard Choice, hey, when he locks in on his number one guy, he hadn't lost yet. So who would I to be to pick against the guy? <laughs> I mean, how stupid would I be, first of all, to put in an RPM for Ohio State or USC on Tashard Choice's number one running back, uh, especially when he can uh, tell that running back that I was at USC for a day, but I think I'm happier here now. Um, and here's the reasons why. And two of them are Bijan and Roshan. And here's my next group of guys. I know, yeah, I recruited Jameer Gibbs, too. Um, compare that resume. Um, but into uh, short, so good with the parents. I mean, Jarrett Gibson said it. I think one of the big reasons Texas got Jarrett Gibson is because of the relationship to short choice had with the parents. Because anytime you're going to send your child 1,200 miles, 1,500 miles, over 1,000 miles away from home, you better trust that position, Coach. Hey, I want to say something. You and uh, Justin are going to do something a little different today. We normally uh, produce the recruiting breakdown on Tuesdays um, and post those around noon noon uh, on Tuesday afternoon. Jerry and Justin are actually going to do a live broadcast of the recruiting breakdown today. That'll give you guys more of an opportunity to ask more specific recruiting questions uh, so noon today, Jerry and Justin will have a live version of the recruiting breakdown. And hopefully that allows you guys to ask more questions. No doubt about it. All right. We got one more super chat we need to knock out. Uh, this one from Joseph Diaz. He says, what game do you see Arch getting a snap? This Could one, if this it goes week? well. <laughs> yeah, I can see this one for sure. If if Texas literally um, can can do what they're, they're, they need to do. Um, I'm a little concerned that that Texas might look past Wyoming. I hope they don't because Wyoming is a feisty, scrappy team. You never want to look past them, right? I do think Texas has too many weapons, too good of a defensive front, really. I mean, because one thing that can be said about this Texas team, not just anybody is going to beat them. And I say that because they have a defense, and that defense travels, right? So – it's one thing for a defense to have an off game defensive line, an entire defensive line doesn't really all have off games and they can either, they're either blocked or they're not blocked. And so I think that makes games like this one a little bit more comfortable for Texas potentially, uh, especially if they can stop the run right out of the gate. So if that happens, I expect Malik, Malik Murphy to get snaps. I expect Arch Manning to get late snaps most likely. Okay. And, and he will be doing it. At night, in a in a venue that's going to have those LED lights for the first time, Jerry, they're going to be popping, Blake. It should be, and a lot of people still going to be celebrating seven days later from Alabama. <laughs> Just hope the Texas team isn't still celebrating Alabama seven days later. That's the key. Say, Scott B. asked, where's UT boy? Oh, he's here. He changed his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should be easy to tell. Should be pretty easy to tell. I'm, I'm now questioning how many name changes we're going to have during the season. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, guys. Uh, before we move on, Bixby Horn, I saw you put in a super chat, but there was no question attached to it. If you'll put it in just regular, I will be sure to ask it. We'll circle back around to that. And then speaking of Wyoming, Bobby, you were talking about them. Jason Renfro uh, says, who is Wyoming's biggest threat to Texas, if they have any? But before y'all answer, I just want to let everybody know tomorrow we'll have a uh, Wyoming beat writer, Alex Taylor, on who will we'll go in-depth on Wyoming. He's from the uh, – well, from the Wyoming Tribune Eagle, he's a sports writer, very knowledgeable. So we'll be sure to deep dive with him later. But I'll let y'all take this question away now. And he's a great guy to have on, Blake. I heard him ask a question in Craig Bull's uh, press conference yesterday. Yeah, I would say this. Um, from listening to that, I think it's the quarterback. He has a little bit of that it factor for them. Like, as he goes, the team goes. And his name's Andrew Peasley. So watch. He's the guy that Texas, if, if he's on – that means that Texas is going to get their best, right? Um, other other than that, I think it's the defense that is so uh, experienced. Uh, Blake and, and Jerry, all eleven of their players of the all eleven of their starters guys are red shirts. The, the they only have two red shirt sophomores. The rest are red shirt juniors, all the way up to grad transfers. Oh wow! So they. They don't play any young guys. They're they're at least all three years into college football. Hey, got a little news here. Um, it just came across ESPN Twitter. Texas Alabama delivered eight point eight million viewers on ESPN and ESPN two. Best ESPN's best regular season game since twenty fifteen. <laughs> Not surprising. No. Not hey, surprising. The, the field pass with Pat McAfee show on ESPN two. Most most watch McAfee alt cast and top ESPN college for, football alt cast since 2018 national championship game. Wow. I can tell you this: I, the Texas Twitter University of Texas football Twitter account is zipped past 400,000. I mean, it gained 30,000 followers. I think the uh, and some of all the Texas football social medias have grown pretty quick. <laughs> That's I'll what happens that. when you hey. That's probably victors. just recruits parents. <laughs> to the victors go the spoils, guys. That's that's the reality of, of this stuff. Um, it, if Texas can get that going, it's it's part of what they do uh, yeah. and, and what you get whenever you win. Um, Blake and, and Jerry, uh, thoughts right now uh, on, on Texas as they're looking at this game? Um, you know, any chance they're looking past Wyoming? Or, uh, Jerry, you're, you're really confident on this, and I'm trying to dig in a little bit on why. Uh, yeah, I'm very bullish on this, and, and people are probably surprised to hear me say this, but I just think Wyoming beating Tech, first off, that first thing happened, no matter if Alabama, if Texas had won or lost, that makes Sark's job easier. But now coming off the Alabama win, um, look, this is a team with 10 starters back on offense. You added A.D. Mitchell in the portal. He's won two national – he's never played on a team that hasn't won a national championship. The guys added in the portal – Ryan Sanborn's a three-year starter. This is his first taste of winning football. Gavin Holmes was on a really good program at Wake Forest. These guys are mature players. Jalen Catalan, you don't think he's hungry? I mean, he took some beatings at Arkansas when he's putting up huge stats. But then I think the Texas crowd is going to be why. Because I really believe this. And for the Texas fans going load up Bevo Boulevard. Because I think when this team gets off the bus, and I've been down there probably three or four times, I don't think I think the Texas the players are going to be shocked. How many people are going to be down there? 
and the reception this team's going to get at 5 p.m. Saturday. I think it's going to be like nothing we've seen. I mean, Alabama was pretty good last year. Now these guys are getting off the bus after beating Alabama this year. It's a night game. There's there's not a lot of night games. It's the LED lights. It's everything that's going along with this. I think the crowd is going to be electric. I think these guys are going to get a welcome home like they can't imagine. And I think that's going to drive their adrenaline in this game. And I think and I think they'll take care of business against a team that's well coached. All right, solid, guys. solid, solid coach. Craig Bowl is a solid coach, Jerry. And if somebody asks, are we going to have our watch watch with us? Absolutely. Yep. Aaron Hogan will be doing that again. Uh, myself, I, I know Rod's going to step in. Ian Boyd will be back as well. Jerry, I think you're going to the game this weekend, uh, and so you won't be able to do that. But you'll try to grab us hopefully in the pat in the post game. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, you know, one of the things that that I I look at when you talk about that, Jerry, um, is I, I just want to see Texas continue to execute at a high level yeah. like they did in that fourth quarter. Texas executed in the fourth quarter, guys. Um, if they can keep that mentality with this talent level and spread that out over the next 10 games, they're going to have a great season. So that I just want them to continue to execute. What, oh, yeah, Kind of bottle what they did. I mean, they beat Alabama 21 to eight in the fourth quarter, guys. Well, and, and, I it forgot and it was no fluke. Yeah. And I forgot something very important, Bobby. They left points on the field. They missed a couple of sacks. This team can get a lot better. And they it, it, and and I think Sark and the staff all have have they have a genuine way of getting that message across. Yeah, I mean, you don't think Byron Murphy wants a sack this week? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> He's a hungry man after losing two of them. I mean, look, they, they you, you don't think Xavier Worthy wants to catch that same pass for a touchdown this week to start on the first drive of the game? I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't – they didn't run the same play if they get in that same situation so Xavier Worthy can finish it off. There you go. All right, Bobby and Jerry, y'all talked about the watch with us this Saturday, but we have a question about what you're doing on Friday, Bobby, from Rob Enfield. He says, what time are you starting at the co-op? So I'm going to let you plug that real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Home game Fridays, um, I'm going down to the co-op, and I'll be there. Myself, Rod Babers, uh, Jerry Hamilton will be around either, not necessarily at the co-op, but he'll be on the broadcast with us uh, every Friday from 3 to 4 at the co-op. They have a happy hour. Last time they had beer, free beer set up. It was it was pretty nice. People came in, washed, hung out. There was air conditioning in the co-op, which was outstanding, by the way, when it was 105 degrees outside. Uh, but uh, no, uh, we'll do that every Friday. That's the live stream. Every home Friday, every away game Friday, we're going to keep uh, the Friday live stream at 1 to 2 o'clock uh, because I like that time slot for away games. It gives us a chance to travel if we need to get to the games, et cetera. Okay, and we now I got that super chat from Bixby Horn. I want to read it real quick, guys. He said, I just wanted to say thank you for all the content. You guys are killing it. I haven't missed a single second of any of it. I never got enough Texas football talk until now. Hook them from Bixby, Oklahoma. So thank you, Bixby. We appreciate it. Thank you, Bixby. Absolutely. Y'all got some good players in that that small town, by the way. All right, then we got a super chat here, guys, from Antonio Harris. And he says, Bobby, you made the comment that Georgia wasn't impressive. And man, my guy, you're 100% correct. As Jonte and the boys say, bring on Georgia culture. Well, I think they need to they need to take care of business 
with Wyoming first and then throughout the Big 12. Uh, I, I just don't, guys, that Wyoming, uh, Georgia's offense is not the same. And it's not just because of Stetson Bennett, uh, who is a three-year starter, multiple reps, kind of a gritty guy. They have a, they have a better prospect at quarterback right now. I don't think they have a better quarterback. And I certainly don't think their play caller is as good as Todd Munkin. And I'll, I'll go on. Mike Bobo has always been a good, not great offensive coordinator, in my opinion. He's now the offensive coordinator at Georgia. They There were games last year where they needed to outscore their opponent, including against Ohio State in the semifinals. I, th- I think that's going to be a situation where they have to do that again uh, soon this year. And, and they may not, they just may not be up to the task. Although I don't, I don't have a problem with their defense. They're they're elite, uh, so I, that's that's the feeling there. I have that they, they, they'll be interesting. I agree. Uh, they have an easy schedule. <laughs> they have a well, they have a schedule in their favor, right? As as easy as that schedule can be. What, but what I was going to say is, Bobby, I think it's going to mask the things that Bobby brought up until it's time it can't. Okay, guys. Let's uh Damon Graham, he had a super chat, but Bobby, you already answered it. But I just wanted to tell Damon thank you for the super chat. So we'll move on to the next one. And then a quick one from Bo. He says, in my opinion, Saturday is gonna be crazy. Agreed. Let's make it uh, here. Let's make it crazy. I mean, that, that's what I would say to Texas fans. It, it's up to you. Um, I will say that I expect that it, when I went to Texas, um, we were not always a good team. There were a couple of under underachieving is not the right word. Uh, a couple I think Bobby muted himself. Yep. Am I back now, guys? You're back. You're good to go. Well, nope, he muted himself again. <laughs> Some technical difficulties. How about there now? You go. You're good. You're good, Bobby. My apologies. I, I kicked a cord underneath the table. You're getting excited. <laughs> I, so my my thought on it is this. When I was in school, the the – the students would maybe not show up until the end of the first quarter on early games or on day games uh, because it was hot, because they were having fun at uh, pre-gaming, et cetera. With a night game, that should not happen. And so it's up to the, to the students and the fans that are going to be able to make it to DKR this weekend to bring the noise, make this an intimidating atmosphere for anybody to play in, make it fun, for the recruits to see, make everything about it an interesting uh, environment. Uh, hopefully Texas comes out and puts it on them. You get to see Malik Murphy. You'll get to see Arch Manning if that happens. Some of the young receivers, some of the young DBs. Uh, the, nothing could be better if Texas goes out and whips Wyoming this weekend um, and makes Wyoming, uh, you know, a difficult or a, a team that, uh, you know, just is, is outmanned. Uh, hey, hey D- Davey Fockett's got an interesting question. I don't know the answer to. What, what 9 7 a.m., Blake. Uh, is this go. going to be the last ever game on LHN? I think so. I think so, too, but I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know for sure. Well, I, I will say that LHN goes over to the SEC network, is my understanding. Um, and so, officially, maybe the last one branded as LHN. Jerry? Yeah. Very well could be. I, oh, well. I mean, I, I think I think that the, the LHN has been great in so many ways, but uh, a failed experiment in others. And so uh, I I personally like the people over there, um, including some of the executives, et cetera. 
but it, it is the way of the world. And when you go to the SEC, it's the price of doing business. You're going to get paid more by going to the SEC than losing the, than what you're getting paid on the LHN. Yep. It's definitely great for baseball and basketball coverage. No doubt about yes, that. Yes. Yes. Especially baseball. Yep. Especially. All right, guys. We got a super chat here from H Bomb Horn. And he says, so is the plan for yours to get drafted after this year? Then Malik and Arch compete for the starting position. Yes. <laughs> H Bomb, I think you're probably right. That's let's let's see what happens though. Quinn has to finish out and can't just be a one one game wonder. Uh, at, at times, there are people that thought that last year after Alabama, he may have been a one game wonder. Let's see. Let's see him continue to get better and com- continue to build. There were some some things that happened in Alabama that lead me to believe that it won't be a one game wonder. He moved in the pocket much better against Alabama than he even did against Rice. That's the sign of a quarterback. And Sark and Sark's rewind uh, said it. He wasn't con. He wasn't contact shy against Alabama that that he was probably against Rice he was not against Alabama and that's that allowed him that extra half second I think back to that third and 10 where he hit Jatavian Sanders over the middle while somebody was draped around his backside a little bit on the move moving up in the pocket um good play by by Quinn and I think that's the if he does that H-bomb and and rest of Longhorn Nation he's gonna get drafted he can make a lot of money well, speaking of getting drafted, uh, this next question from I think Wayne I know Burgess. You, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to the Shadur Sanders and Quinn. <laughs> no, no. Elaine Roker says, is most of the D-line going pro after this season? Um, well, I mean, Sweat, Alfred Collins, Byron Murphy's a maybe. I mean, I, I don't know if Mur- – I think Murphy is a tremendous player. He may not have the ideal twitch – like an Aaron Donald, some of those guys do that go really high in the draft. Um, so he may have an interesting decision to make. Uh, but obviously, uh, Sweat, I mean, Alfred Collins could technically come back, but I mean, you know, so, he, so could Murphy. So could so, Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Murphy, he'll have, he'll have a decision to make, I think. I would put it at better than 50 50 odds that all three go pro. What do you think of that, Jerry? If all that all three go pro better than 50 50. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think well, Sweat's automatic, Collins and Murphy. I think if they both continue to play well, Collins played extremely well against the run on yeah. uh Saturday. He re- when they put him in at the defensive end, that is one of the things that did stop that Alabama run game from really gashing Texas. Right. Same thing they did with Moro Ojomo last year. And, and, you know, and and I hate to bring this up, but, I mean, there could be NIL opportunities if Texas has a really, really, really good season for one of these guys that says, you know what, (laughs) I still – I mean, I know it's not what it is in the NFL, but if I can still work on my craft a little bit and things are good, then things could be good. All right, guys. We have a super chat here from Chris Harrington. He said, Quinn played great. With that being said, let's wait and see how he does against these big 12 defenses that will scheme against his strengths. What do y'all think about that? I think always. Um, but, you know, and I think that's Sark too, right? Um, I mean, that that's that that's some hurdles. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I still think this. I If wide receivers will continue to make plays for their quarterback – and not put everything on the quarterback to make perfect throws, uh, Texas is going to look a lot better this year. 
They have more weapons this year. They can attack these defenses better this year. They can put more pressure on these defenses this year, and I think that will be a difference. And then let's stay on the subject of Quinn for a minute. Frank D says, if this O-line remains consistent, can Quinn hit 4,500 yards passing this season? Not with the right now, guys. Not with the running clock on first down, no chance. That just changes – that changes games. Great That's point. changing games. And Sark addressed that yesterday as a staff. He said, we're all still trying to figure out where this is going. And I thought I liked that he was genuine and honest about that and didn't act like he had all the answers. Because I do think these guys, even though they may have a 1,000 years of coaching experience on this staff, they're still trying to figure this out, you know, clock management in these situations. Um but I, I think the one thing – here's why I don't want Quinn to have stats like that. I want – Texas maximizes this team. They're up in the fourth quarter, and they say, we're going to go run the ball, and they run the ball. That's going to condense games. If you can run the ball with the lead when you want to run the ball, throw the big stats out the window. It doesn't matter. You're winning football games the way you want to win football games, and that's using that clock, running clock, to your advantage to close out an opponent. Uh, but yes, we see Jonte Saturday. I think Jonte <laughs> or Nair is going to get into the end zone Saturday. Hey, I'm looking at uh, Quinn Ewers right now and his stats for the season, Jerry. 43 of 68, 63% uh, completion rate. Uh, average of nine, uh, basically, uh, yeah, nine yards per attempt. Uh, 609 yards overall. So that's two of 12 games. 12 times three is 3,600. That I you could play two more games or three more games. You're probably not getting to 4,500. Yeah. You would have to average 315 games to get to, to 4,500. Uh, is 3,500 possible? I think 3,500 uh, to 4,000 is, is very legitimately possible. Uh, we have a super chat here from Dennis Donaldson. And he says, is it possible that Gary Patterson hindered the development of 45, 95, and 97? That's Broughton, Collins, and Ross. Uh, 95 looked like his ranking during the 21 season. No, not at all. Um, I, I think uh, um, well, Chris Ross, that that just – he came in as a guy that was 267 pounds his last high school game, and he dropped 20-something pounds. And he's now back up to 255, and, and he's found the home as an edge. He's got the first – the best, quickest first two steps in the program – um, but no, I think that, that I don't think G, Gary Patterson had anything to do with that. Uh, Vernon Broughton is a disruptor. Uh, that's his strength. Um, that's going to continue to be his strength. Uh, but no, I don't think uh, uh, Alfred Collins, man, this is contract year for him. Hey, and Alfred Collins did not look good during the 21 season. He looked good in the 20 season when he was a freshman. He did not have a good sophomore year because he was coming off that shoulder injury. Right, Jerry, going into the season, mm-hmm. um, he did not have a good year. Vernon Broughton, this is the best he's looked, period. And as Drew Kelson, who was on earlier, talked about development, he mentioned Vernon Broughton uh, for a reason. Correct? Yeah. That's He is a guy that's developed. David Benda has developed. They're developing Gunnar Helm, another good one That's that's a guy that not many people talk a lot about, but is a key member of this team. And I'll throw one out. I think Melvin Hills is very much is very similar to Vernon Broughton from a he's not quite as tall, but from a frame standpoint, the the way he's built and watch his development over time too. 
Uh, let's move on. We've got time for a few more questions here. Uh, this one from Derek Elam. He says, how much of the wide receiver development do we give Chris Jackson at this time? I feel like he was a tremendous hire. Well, I think he was a tremendous hire, but A.D. Mitchell came in as a dude. So, I mean, uh, um, I think he, Chris Jackson, his ability to develop these guys is going to be seen really next year when Jonte Moore, DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett, those guys really have their true opportunities year two. Not that they won't make some plays this year, but player development is from one year to the next for me. And Chris Jackson, this is his first class of wide receivers at Texas. I'm, I think people are going to really like how those guys develop in the next year, Bobby. I, I will say this. Um, it's been apparent that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian does not uh, say a lot in his press conference. He just says the obvious kind of, and, and I'm not trying to, to I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's clear that he's been harping on each of them about his wide receivers running better routes. He mentioned that against Rice. He mentioned that they ran better routes against Alabama. That is coaching. Um, and so I think that Steve Sarkeesian wants I feel like he didn't necessarily think he was getting that at times last year with Brennan Marion at wide receiver and probably a younger wide receiver group as well, Jerry. Now he thinks he's getting it. Um, and so that's that, that, and he, he talked about how that was a big piece of what happened against Alabama. They ran better routes. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know about development, but I know about execution. And I think maybe that's where Derek M is going with this question. I think they will get, better execution with Chris Jackson. Uh, Roy Womack has a question. How many D-line commits are early enrollees? Uh, Alex January, DeAndre Robinson are um, on the interior. Uh, Melvin Hills is not. On the edge, Colin Simmons and Zena both are. So four, you're five right now. All right, let's take two more guys. This first one from Joseph Gomez. And he says, is anybody worried about our tackling? There were a lot of missed tackles at all levels, especially safety in corners between Catalan, Brooks, and Holmes. And one play stands out in my mind, which was – Yeah, <laughs> y'all are both shaking your head yes. So, what do you think? Texas didn't look like Keystone Cops much in that game. That one play, they looked like Keystone Cops. Uh, uh, Jalen Ford missed an open field tackle, too, on Jermaine Burton on a play that was called back. Um, they have to tackle better. Uh, that being said, uh, Alabama presents a unique look, yes. maybe from the teams that Texas will play overall. Yes. yes. Um, and they're a little bit more physical. Their runners are. So I, I don't – I'm not that worried. I, I am a little concerned about Jaron Thompson uh, tackling in the open field. Jade Barron missed, a, missed on a guy in the open field. Terrence Brooks. I mean, look, Alabama – Jalen Milrow is a different dude now. Steve Sarkeesian on the rewind last night, guys. I don't know if you heard this or not, Jerry. He said Jalen Milrow may have been the fastest player on the field. I I, I don't disagree. I mean, that's Three a good line vertical. Yes. <laughs> that, so just take that. It everybody understand fastest guy on the field, and he knows he's got Xavier Worthy. So, yeah, I, I I agree with Bobby. I, I I think the thing when you're in a game like this to to kind of take into account as you're playing while this may not be Alabama from 2017 to 2020 in terms of offensive skill talent 
they still are NFL draft picks out there. And those guys are going to make plays. Uh, Amari Nyblack is going to play a long time in the NFL. He is as good a runner after the catch at that position you'll see outside of Brock Bowers. He is athletic. Uh, those guys are still draft picks. So you're not going to play perfect football tackling against them. I think the thing with Texas is obviously that's your, it's always your coaching points. But I think the key for Texas is continuing to populate the football, as Sark says it. Because if you populate the football, you're going to get guys to the ground if they break the first tackle. Hey, guys, before we go to the next question or one of the last questions, I want to give you all some stats because I was looking at this with uh, Quinn Ewers and his development from last year. Last year, Quinn hit 58.1% of his passes, okay, 58.1%. So far this year through two games, he's at 63.2%. So that's a 5% uptick, right? Pretty healthy uh, uh, uptick. Also, yards per attempt, okay, um, is at nine this year versus 7.4 last year. Another That's another 25 per, 20 to 25% increase yeah. uh, almost, or 20, 20% increase over last year. Be thinking about that. That's, that's good news for Texas. That shows he's going up. Yeah. All right. Let's see. We have a question here. I know I, know I said we're going to do two more, but now we're going to do two more because I like both of these. Uh, Champ Bailey 3 says, the Texas really worthy of the number four spot? I know rankings really don't mean anything, but I was hoping Texas was in the six to eight rank. But biggest win of the season and this season feels wide open to anybody. My, my first answer is yes, they're worthy as long as Alabama goes on and wins 10 games this year. I, I think that's what's going to play out is – is this the first Nick Saban team that loses three regular season games? Boy, the Paul Feinbaum show was amazing yesterday. <laughs> um, if you haven't listened to that, uh, uh, there were claims for retirement and firings. Um, but uh, um, while they probably were looking at Nash, six national championship trophies doing it. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, I think a lot of it right now, look, FSU has a great win over LSU. That win only looks really good if LSU goes and wins games. Texas win over Alabama is great. It's a, a, a unbelievable game for recruiting. But it only looks really good if Alabama goes and handles business. I mean, if this is Nick's worst team he's put on the field since his first year there, then maybe not at the end of the day. But I think Texas is worthy of that ranking right now because of the, the style of football they're playing and how good they're playing on the line of scrimmage. Um, they have more playmakers. I think if people just look at Texas last year versus this year, you see a major difference. Bobby? I The team that kind of shocks me that Texas is ahead of a little bit is Washington. They're really good. Yeah, and, and I say that because Texas just lost to Washington three games ago. And they have a lot of guys back too. Yeah, yeah, and they, they didn't lose anybody really of, of, of true value. So – that other than that, I don't have the problem with the with that. The question I have, uh, uh, you know, for for everybody here is, you know, I think that Bama is going to lose three regular season games this year. I, I don't think they have a quarterback. They've got a quarterback problem right now, because and no identity on offense with an offensive coordinator who isn't used to coaching in that league. I'm just when that when those inside traps don't work for Notre Dame. When he was at at, uh, at Notre Dame, Tommy Reese, they went nowhere with the football. I I think that they may have a, an issue there this year. 
All right, guys, last question of the day, and it's from Rick Serta. And he says, do you guys think that Texas has the roster to win it all this year if they stay consistent? Golly. Um, I mean, do they have enough talent? If you're one of the – there's probably six or seven top teams. You say, okay, they're talented enough, right? I mean, are, is Bobby – We've been talking about it all seasons, all preseason, so we can't run from it. They have what? You're going to have the third, fourth most draft picks in the draft this year? Yeah, they're going to have to. I think they have enough talent. They they have the roster. They're going to have to. Quinn's going to have to take even another step. You don't win. You don't win um, national championships unless your quarterback is highly effective and highly consistent. That's, that's the reality. And, I think, I mean, as good as he's been early, he needs to take an even bigger step if they're going to be that good. Or guys have that's, to that's a tall order. I mean, Texas has won in the last 20 years. Yeah. So it's it's that's a that's a tall ask. Or or guys have to catch the football still for him a little bit. But I think and, the- I mean, there were there were drops. I mean, Whittington could have caught his. I mean, yeah. uh Xavier Worthy elevated on that one and could have caught it. The touchdown could have been caught. Jonathan Brooks. I mean, I, I get it. Um I, if they start making those plays, then then Katie bar the door. But in, until they do, that's the question. And the, the other thing for me is I, I always say it, but it comes from being a coach's kid, right? Health, as you get through the season, plays a big factor in where a team is at now versus week 12, week 13. Um, so I, I think there, the health is always a key factor in all this. You can't you can't be injury riddled. That derails a, a, a bad luck injuries could derail a great season pretty quick. Hey, this one's from Clay E, guys. Bama talked a lot about playing murder ball. They did. Just turned out to be suicide ball for them, albeit assisted suicide. I, I Look, I agree. They they couldn't – when they couldn't run the ball, they were going to rely on Jalen Milrow's legs and the long ball, and they were going to play back, uh, you know, fast break football, essentially. Uh, and Texas was having none of it. Anthony Hill and Ethan Burke, that's one of the reasons why those two guys were so huge in that game. They could actually keep him in the pocket. They had the quickness to keep him in the pocket most of the games. Most of the game. All right, guys. Well, Bobby, before we leave, I know you talked earlier, plugged it a little bit about Jerry and uh, Justin coming up. But what? Uh, tell everybody what you got coming down the pot today. Well, it's not just me. Jerry and Justin are coming on at 12 to do a recruiting breakdown that's going to be live so you guys can ask them questions. Uh, Jay, uh, J- Jerry just put in a uh, – uh, Chris, uh, RPM pick, excuse me, for Jordan Davison, uh, the running back out of uh, Santa Ana Modern Day. There's also some news uh, out there that we want to get to on, on a couple other recruits. Uh, then later in the day, we have our uh, uh, live stream. Blake, you and Jerry are going to be back. Rod Babers uh, joins us as well. Jerry and I are also going to do something interesting today. We think that it's time for us to start looking at individual classes and the impacts they've had. Uh, we're going to take a look at the 22. 2022 recruiting class in the context of what they brought to the Longhorns thus thus far. It's really kind of interesting. Some of the numbers we've come up with. So uh, I think, I think it's going to be a good day on, uh, on Texas football. And of course, inside Texas, uh, please visit us there. We have multiple, we have 10 plus articles in a day. Uh, Give us a chance to earn your subscription two months for $1 right now uh, for inside Texas. Use the promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. Uh, it is a, a promo code for only an introductory offer. 
Uh, but guys, all these kind notes and stuff, uh, you know, we do this. I was in Tuscaloosa and met a lot of you guys. And I just got to tell you, it's very heartwarming for an old guy that's been doing this for a long time to feel rejuvenated when he's out on the road doing this stuff. And uh, this show and coffee and football and on Texas football has made me feel that way the last year, year and a half uh, as we grow this thing together. So thank you all very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Keep telling your friends. Come come, give us a shot and subscribe. Yeah, absolutely. Inside Texas. Yep. Thank you. No doubt about it. And we'd also appreciate it if you hit that like and subscribe button, ring the bell so you're notified anytime we post a new video or go live, whatever it may be. That way you can stay up to date. And then as Bobby and Cherry said, head on over to InsideTexas.com. And if you haven't tried it yet, $1, two months, you can't beat that deal at all. So, well, we want to thank all of you too for tuning in. We want to thank all of our Super Chats. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow morning. And yeah, so for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you then. Okay.